Okay, guys, so I actually recorded this with my mom earlier, but it didn't save our recording. So that sucks. She was supposed to be on here. It's just a little mini sewed. So, you know, I'm just going to kind of do it myself now that we don't have that recording of me and her. I'm just going to go through it, do it myself so that I can get this out to you. And I wanted to do this mini-sode before our main episode Wednesday because I got sick and I bailed on all of you guys this Wednesday. And it just seems like there were so many tragedies over July 4th. And for those that don't live in the United States, that's the Independence Day Independence Day celebration here in the United States. And it's a time where citizens are celebrating the country. They're with their family, all of that fun stuff. And yes, our country isn't perfect. I don't think anywhere is. There's the good and there's the bad. There are things to celebrate and there are things to criticize. But what the innocent people do not deserve is violence being perpetrated onto them by someone who is angry and decides to take it out on the families that are celebrating, taking their children out to enjoy a parade. It's super heartbreaking and sickening. And what's sad is I had been Googling some things surrounding July 4th as the holiday approached and I had gotten into this little internet spiral on how violent crime typically increases over July 4th. I read all of that coming up on this past weekend and then as we went through July 4th more than 220 people were shot and killed across the United States over the July 4th holiday weekend. That left about 570 people wounded from these violent crimes. And that's shocking and it's sad. And I, you know, I don't know why violent crime goes up during that time, but I wanted to talk today about the victims in the shooting during the parade. I'm sure most of you have heard about that shooting at Highland Park Parade in Chicago, Illinois. Just this Monday, on the morning of July 4th, the community gathered along the streets of Highland Park to enjoy a patriotic parade. Highland Park is an affluent area there in North Chicago with a community of about 30,000 people. Parents guided their children in on bicycles, toting kids in wagons and strollers. Friends are setting up their chairs and blankets side by side to sit and enjoy these unique floats, listen listen to the kids squealing in excitement as each piece of candy is thrown towards the crowd. And the parade was about a third of the way finished when suddenly from a rooftop at about 10.15 a.m., a gunman opens fire on the parade and the attendees, creating fear and horror that will stick with these people for a lifetime. This man was using a high-powered rifle, which sent mothers, children, elderly, men, and women all fleeing from the parade, ducking for safety and trying to gather their loved ones as they ran. More than 30 people were wounded in this tragedy, and as of today, seven people were not lucky enough to escape the evil that was present at that parade. Jacqueline Sudheim, 63 years old and went by Jackie for short, was a former preschool teacher at the Gates of Learning Preschool, and she was a member of the North Shore Congregation Israel. She worked at a synagogue in Glencoe, which is only about three miles away from Highland Park. And Jackie was dedicated to her work. She had this warmth about her that drew others to her. Those that loved her are going to miss her dearly. Catherine Goldstein was married to Craig Goldstein. 
and she was 64 years old when she went to the parade with her daughter, Cassie, who recalls Catherine as having a great day that morning. She was waving by to each flow as they passed by. Catherine's own mother had actually recently passed away, so getting outside for the day to celebrate the holiday with family seemed like this great idea to take her mind off of her own grief. Quote, I was standing there with my mom and I heard what I thought were firecrackers firing into the street across from me. And then I looked up and I saw the shooter shooting down at the kids. And I told her it was a shooter and she had to run. Both Cassie and Catherine then began to run away from the parade. They were side by side until Catherine was shot. Quote, I knew she was dead. I just told her I loved her, but I couldn't stop because he was still shooting everyone next to me. So I just kept running and I hid behind a trash can. She was a good mom and I got to have 22 years with the best mom in the world. I did everything with her. She was my best friend. Catherine, who many referred to as Katie, was described by her husband and friends as kind, selfless, upbeat, and positive. Her many best friends and those whose lives she touched are heartbroken by this tragedy. Nicholas Toledo Zargoza was 78 years old, and he didn't want to go to the parade. He wasn't in the mood at his age, but he had these disabilities, which required him to be with someone full-time. So, family members had brought him along for the celebration. Nicholas watched the parade alongside those family members, and regardless of his wishes not to go, he did enjoy himself. His granddaughter said he was living in the moment, and that granddaughter is Ochil Toledo. She caught a glimpse of him smiling before the gunfire started. She said, quote, We were all in shock. We thought it was part of the parade. We realized our grandfather was hit. We saw blood. Nicholas had only recently come to the United States from Mexico to visit with family. So two months ago, he made the trip up and then he ended up staying here for longer than planned because he had these injuries, which sort of flared up and his family wanted to take care of him. These injuries had actually come from being hit by a car a couple years ago during a separate visit to Highland Park. So both his visits kind of obviously don't go great because they both have these tragedies. Nicholas had eight kids. They were spread throughout the United States and through Mexico. He had these bright blue eyes and he loved fishing. He loved eating home-cooked meals. He loved to take walks. He was a sweet and caring grandfather. He didn't deserve to have his life ended in this way. Then we have Stephen Stoss, and he was an 88-year-old financial advisor. He had an office in downtown Chicago, and he was working diligently regardless of his age. He was 88 years old, but he was able to make it into work five days a week. His son Peter described Stephen as curious about the world. Stephen and his wife Linda enjoyed the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and the Art Institute of Chicago. But what they loved most was their family and the beautiful four grandchildren they had. Linda has the support of those grandchildren and her two sons, Peter and Jonathan, to help guide her through the loss of her life partner in this really devastating act of violence. Eduardo Uvaldo was 69 years old when he was taken to the Evanston Hospital after the shooting. He had been at the parade with his wife and his family when the shooting starts. Multiple members of their group were struck as they ran from the bullets. His wife and grandson were wounded, but they survived. 
Eduardo, on the other hand, would be pronounced dead at the hospital. His daughter, Susanna, described him as a loving dad. Eduardo was killed just four days before his 70th birthday, which would have been celebrated tomorrow on July 8th. So happy birthday, Eduardo. I hope you're celebrating wherever you may be. Irina and Kevin McCarthy, they woke up on the morning of July 4th, excited to take their two-year-old son Aiden to the parade. He's finally at that age where he could really enjoy it, pick up candy, dance to the music, and point to all the cool floats. Sadly, both Irina and Kevin were killed in the shooting. Irina was 35 years old and Kevin 37. Kevin worked there in Illinois with Jaguar Gene Therapy. He was a hardworking employee with strong work ethic, but that wasn't his number one priority. His family was. He was a dedicated father and husband. Irina is described as smart, fun, and somewhat of a tomboy. Both Kevin and Irina graduated from DePaul University of Chicago with a degree in finance, and Irina then took on motherhood like a champ. She was an incredible mom. Irina's father told the Chicago Sun-Times that Kevin shielded Aiden's body with his. After both of his parents were shot and killed, Aiden was found alone on the parade route. Relatives were able to pick him up from the parade and at the police, well, they were able to go to the police station after the parade and pick Aiden up. And Irina's dad said that he asked, are mommy and daddy coming soon? And then Irina's dad goes on to say that Aiden doesn't understand what's going on. And that's soul crushing to me that this little boy lost both of his parents at an event they most likely went to, to bring a little joy into their son's life. It's just not fair. After the shooting and panic ensued at the parade, things settled as the gunfire ceased. Grief washed over the citizens as people were faced with a shocking scene that was so unexpected that day. Laying along the parade route, officers would see abandoned chip bags, candy, picnic blankets, and bikes strewn along the street, along with, you know, 4th of July decorations and floats and Mixed into all of that was the blood of those targeted in this violent shooting meant to hurt innocent people and instill fear into that community. About five miles north of this scene and several hours after the shooting, a Highland Park police officer pulled over 21-year-old Robert E. Crimo, the third, who was driving down the road in his silver Honda. Robert goes by the name Bobby and actually considers himself an aspiring rapper, giving himself the name Awake the Rapper. And he was known to post all these videos on social media and YouTube. Many of his songs and videos, you know, depicted violence, including gun violence and shootings. Thankfully, the police here, they did a diligent job in finding their suspect and bringing him in quickly. By Tuesday evening, just a day after the shooting, Lake County State Attorney Eric Reinhardt announced that Robert E. Crimo III was charged with seven counts of murder. An attorney has been hired by Robert's parents to represent themselves, not Robert. This attorney is Steve Greenberg, and I... Robert was 21 years old, so it's not that he's necessarily under the guidance of his parents, but as we'll see later, his dad was like his sponsor for getting a gun legally. 
he was able to do this with parental consent um, because he bought most of these guns before he was 21 years old. We'll go all over all of that in a minute, but maybe that's why his parents hired an attorney. This, I don't know much yet because of course this is just a couple days after. This is just a quick mini so to get the information out and get the victim's names out there. As far as the whole situation and the home Robert came from and how much his parents had to do with it, I really don't know. But I do feel really sad for parents who, of course, have nothing to do with something like this and are just as shocked by the tragedy that their own child perpetrated onto others. That would be devastating as a parent to know that your own child did this to the world. So, you know, as of now, I don't know a lot, but I hope they are, you know, not also responsible for this tragedy and for if if that's the case I I do feel really bad for them because they're also losing a son and probably feeling a lot of guilt for what happened and they released a statement through their attorney that said we are all mothers and fathers sisters and brothers and this is a terrible tragedy for many families the victims the parade goers the community and our own our hearts thoughts and prayers go out to everybody Police believe that Robert may have had this attack planned out for weeks and going into the parade, he was trying to conceal his identity by wearing women's clothes. He also wore this American flag bandana type thing around his neck to try and conceal his facial and neck tattoos. And this he thought would help him slip out of the chaos unrecognizably. And, you know, it worked in that moment. He was able to kind of blend into the crowd and just get out of there. Robert, he did have two prior run-ins with the law. Once was in April of 2019 when someone calls 911 asking for help for Robert who was threatening to attempt suicide. This was brought from the authorities to his parents who then had Robert set up with a mental health professional. It's then just a few months later in September of 2019 that another family member calls 911 saying that Robert is threatening to kill everyone and that Robert has this large collection of knives. So police come, they kind of look through the home, they're talking with Robert and they do find a knife collection. So they take 16 knives from him, including a dagger and a sword. Unfortunately, that's all law enforcement could do at that point. It said that there was no probable cause for an arrest. And it's just after September of 2019 that Robert starts to to legally purchase guns. He ultimately ends up owning five rifles, a pistol and a shotgun. Illinois, they require a gun owner to have a firearm owner's identification card. This is called a FOID card for short. And since Robert was under 21 years old when he starts purchasing these guns, he's not able to obtain this FOID card on his own. But after someone's 18, they can get sponsored by their parent or guardian for a FOID card. So Robert is sponsored by his father to obtain his FOID card. And it's reported that Robert's application wasn't denied because there was, quote, insufficient basis to establish danger at the time, end quote. And of course, with his mental state in the year before he starts purchasing with his, you know, suicide attempts or saying he's going to 
kill everyone, those should be red flags. I'm not sure that that was documented anywhere though, because it doesn't sound like Robert was arrested. And so I'm not sure that a background check on him would pull up these incidents without him being arrested for them specifically. So Robert does get these guns and on July 4th, Robert takes a high-powered rifle with him as he climbs the fire escape ladder onto a close business rooftop. From there, he fires more than 70 rounds into the parade crowd. When he flees the scene, he goes to his mom's home, which is nearby, and then he takes her car. This is a silver Ford he was pulled over in. Police had narrowed Robert down to being their suspect and relayed the information publicly and asked people to be on the lookout for him. Well, someone, they had seen this police release and then they see the car driving on US 41. So they make the 911 phone call, leading police to locate Robert. It was a North Chicago police officer who saw the vehicle and called in for backup. And once backup arrived, Robert was pulled over near Lake Forest, Illinois, and that's where he was arrested. They said they would be taking him to a bond hearing. I think that was supposed to happen this morning or tomorrow. And they would be asking, the prosecutors would be asking for no bail. We will have to keep up on that information. And then, of course, he will be awaiting trial. Again, more stuff we have to keep up on. I just wanted to put this mini-sode out there really to put out the names of the victims. I let you down without an episode last week. And as I was looking into the victims of this, you know, violence that was perpetrated on July 4th, I just thought I could share their names, kind of share a little brief detail into what happened um, on this horrible, you know, tragic day for Illinois. And the Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker, said, quote, there are no words for the kind of evil that shows up at a public celebration of freedom, hides on a roof and shoots innocent people with an assault rifle. It is devastating that a celebration of America was ripped apart by our uniquely American plague. 